So those two clips, I put on for a number of reasons. One is because this is the dog watch of a talk. Um, not the content, I hope, but the timing. But what I really wanted to try and get across was that word authenticity, because as we've heard, and actually I was explaining to my colleagues earlier that all my links and little sound bites have been used by other people. So there may be a bit of repetition, but given that we're supposed to be preaching the gospel here, I think overlap is probably not a bad thing. Um, so authenticity and the poser, those two clips, um, I think there's an element of all of that um, that's been depicted uh, as we saw. And I do think that men in um, this day and age um, sniff that out quite quickly. Um, so this talk is about the new name and what that means. And I would almost say by the new name, uh, a new identity. Because we have, um, we, we've been born again um, through Christ. And we've had a couple of fairly um, challenging talks. And I don't know about you, but the last two I found really powerful. And um, sitting in the car, just doing a bit of quiet time, the way that the Lord has moved with me, um, in these last two um, sessions uh, has been really powerful. And actually, I just wanted to make mention of something. Matthew uh, Matt mentioned boarding school. If any of you went to boarding school, um, and I did, I did 10 years single sex, which has explained why an awful lot I've spent hours in the counselling chair. But joking apart, there's a really good book by a man called Mark Stibby, and I think it's called Freedom or something like that. I, I, I will get the title, um, but it's just, a, I'm, I'm, I've only uh, touched the surface of the book, but um, he speaks a lot of sense. So if that's helpful, I'll just leave that out there. Um, so as I said, I think there is a sort of, uh, we need to be authentic. Um, and as a result of that, the way the Lord has worked in me, and I think is, 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 is prevalent in, in, in all of us, is we know that it's a process. And this process of becoming a new man, the new identity, the new name, um, doesn't happen overnight. It is, uh, I think, probably a lifetime and possibly eternity. But certainly, I think if we're in this journey uh, for the long haul, then we need to embrace the process. I'm going to show you a clip, which is short, um, but it's of the two guys that set up one set up North Face, which I think Matt's been uh, modelling for us uh, today, and um, Patagonia. And these guys are probably in their, I don't know, 60s, 70s uh, now, possibly even older. And they're talking, uh, this is a documentary, and there's both these characters who are friends as well as, um, I don't, I'm, you know, and obviously they've built their own businesses up separately. But they're mates, and they used to go out and do proper climbing of Everest um, when you had, it was a sort of six to eight month trip. Um, and what they're talking about here is that in this day and age, um, certainly this uh, in the last 20 years or so, uh, what people have to do to climb Everest and perhaps um, the lack of benefits, should we say, thereof. So without further ado, to quote Jeremy Clarkson, I'll play the tape. So that's it, have a good evening. <laughs> Um, so, so we need to embrace the process, and that's actually, I think, really why we're all here. Um, there are no shortcuts, and the Lord wants to do business with us, and we need to be receptive uh, to hear what he is saying to us uh, collectively and as individuals. Um, 
I don't say this lightly. It's a real privilege to actually speak to you this evening on a subject which is very close to my heart because, and I thought I'd tell you a little bit about who I am. I'm not remotely qualified to give this talk. Um, I'm 51 years old now and I have been a Christian for quite a long time. And as I was saying at dinner, I actually came from the New Age, which is a bit of, a, uh, a bit of an interesting circuitous route. But the Lord got hold of me. Um, and for many years, I was a perfect Christian. My CV was absolutely superb, you know, prayer partner, Christian wife, Christian children, helped on Alpha, led on Alpha, I'd done everything and worked the sound desk from time to time. But actually, I, was, I wasn't really engaged and um, a friend of mine said I need to go to Wales to hear this man called John Eldridge and his team of men and the rest is history and that happened in 2010. Um, and what I learnt through being in Wales and this teaching is that there is so much more and I'm not anti-church. I think church is really important. We need to support our churches. But actually, I think in many ways, you're going to events like this and you're hearing stories from other guys. Um, there, 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 we're part of a much larger story. And that is key. And if we don't know that, um, I think it can really... Um, well, I found that, as I said, I, I was scratching at the surface. It was a really... Um, it was pitiful, actually, if I'm being honest. But the Lord used it nonetheless. So I'm married and I've got some children and I've got a dog. Um, I'm not working at the moment. I spent the last 25 years um, in the financial markets. Um, I actually had a really good job and, again, very challenged today um, in how much I strove, strived to prove myself. And I don't really think I have what it takes, if I'm being honest, and uh, that's another story and we won't go into that this evening. But um, what I do think is quite key is actually how... Even though we don't know it, um, we have this mentality that I've just got to prove to somebody that I can do something. So I did it through work, and I was, I was reasonably successful, but I got found out at the end of last year and, <laughs> and uh, unceremoniously uh, dealt with. Um, so I am now something of leisure. I would never call myself a gentleman, but we live in the Midlands, and I bought a digger, but that's another story. Um, so we digress. Um, Actually, I've got to tell you this story. I just love this story. Can I, can I just... This is a man who knew his name. Douglas Bader. Who knows about Douglas Bader? Who doesn't know about Douglas Bader? Right, an amazing flying ace. Lost both his legs. Um, went back in the air, legless. Not drunk, but literally. Um, and this was in the newspaper. It just made me laugh. And I thought, I've got to weave this into the talk. I haven't done how to do it, so I'm just going to tell it to you. And it goes as follows. Today marks the 35th anniversary of the death of Sir Douglas Bader, and I couldn't let it pass without this story about the RAF hero. He was giving a talk at an upmarket girls' school about his time as a pilot in the Second World War. And Bader goes on to say, So there were two of these effers behind me, three effers to my right, and another effer on the left, he told the audience. The appalled headmistress went pale and interjected, Girls, she said, the Fokker was a German aircraft. <laughs> Sir Douglas replied, that may be, madam, but these effers were in Messerschmitts. <laughs> he certainly knew his name. Anyway, so, um, I am now going to... <laughs> I've got to go on with this talk, right. Um, Eddie the Eagle. I'm sure we all remember Eddie the Eagle. And I'm going to use this film quite aggressively. So I'm sorry if it's a spoiler, but I think we all know what happened. He did a jump, right? So whether you've seen the film or not, he did a jump. 
But what I think is really interesting is Michael Edwards got a new name, Eddie the Eagle. But more importantly, this guy, and who, who's seen the film here, by the way? A uh, fair, fair number of you, okay. Taron Egerton, who plays um, Eddie, uh, older Eddie, the main Eddie Eagle, um, I think depicts his character so well. Uh, allegedly, Eddie Eagle says the film's about 5% true. Um, so I think we're just going to have a little bit of artistic license here. But what the character of Eddie portrays is somebody who's happy to engage in the process. He's happy to earn his new name. That's my thread, if that makes sense. I will go off on tangents, but that's the overarching to why I'm here. Um, and I'd love to say that I, f I could find another thing about, but uh, it just seemed to work, so please bear with me. Um, so we're going to go off to the first Eddie clip, which um, this is Eddie in early, early life. And the beginning, and it's, it shows his desire to be an Olympian. Um, and his, how the establishment just want nothing to do with him. Brilliantly played by Tim McKinnery, you know, his darling in, um, darling in Blackadder. Um, and, um, and Eddie has this resoluteness about himself. He says, I am going to do it. So without further ado, this is our first Eddie clip. So there we go. I saw two wounds in that. Um, one from his father and one from the uh, from the uh, establishment there. Um, I can't emphasise how important it is. I believe we really want to become the new man, have the new name. We need to embrace our wounds, um, however painful that may be, however confusing that may be. Um, I mentioned that I spent quite a lot of, quite a lot of time in the counselling chair. Um, I think I urge if if Holy Spirit has touched you in any of those areas that we've discussed thus far and, uh, and we'll carry on across the course of the weekend, can I urge you to consider counselling or getting a mentor or uh, talking with a friend or some such. Do not leave these wounds um, unaddressed. The Lord brings them up to the surface in his good time because we're ready to deal with them. Um, and as I said earlier, this process, I don't believe, really ends um, across our lifetimes. Um, the book that I mentioned uh, is called Home at Last um, by Mark Stibbe, Freedom from Public School Hurts, Boarding School Hurts, if that's of interest. Um, the other thing also that um, we discussed um, beforehand is that uh, people have, um, particularly in the last talk, Matt was talking about agreements. Agreements are deals that we make with ourselves, um, which the enemy uses as a foothold. And um, it's turf that we give up to the enemy. And there will be a talk on spiritual warfare tomorrow. Um, it's a little forward announcement there for you. Um, but joking apart, again, as we make an agreement, I don't need anybody, I'm okay on my own, that will never happen, this will never happen, whatever. The enemy, we are giving up our um, Jesus' right to that particular piece of our land, if you will. And um, by breaking the agreements, we put that piece of land back under Jesus' authority. So I, I don't know whether anyone's confused about the term agreement, but it is basically pretty much what it says, but the enemy can use them. Um, anyway, talking of agreements, actually this, this is quite a, a nice little um, uh, segue into my next point. Um, 2 Corinthians 15, 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, the old things passed away, behold, new things have come. In Galatians 2.20, which is a very famous passage, I have been crucified with Christ, 
And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So we are new creations, and Romans 8 talks about this as well. And broadly, um, we died 2,000 years ago. As Christians, I died 2,000 years ago. You died 2,000 years ago on the cross. So we need to get our heads around this new identity and what that looks like, the new name. And as I said, this is a pro- and I'm not privileged to give, I'm, I'm privileged, I am privileged to give this talk. I'm not qualified to give this talk because I don't live like this. I wish I did, but I still get angry. I still get frustrated. I still get confused. I still get fearful. But I believe um, that this is really what Jesus is in the throes of making us into. Um, prophecies, words, uh, all of that speaks to the new man. But we have a tendency to keep resurrecting and digging up the old man. Um, and I, I want to talk slightly on double-mindedness as well, because this is a really important thing. We have to keep our minds purely on Jesus. And I would almost, one thing that I'm trying to do at the moment is seek Jesus' face in every situation that I face myself in. Well, I'm giving this talk. I've got to drive somewhere. I've got to do something. Jesus, what are you saying to me in this circumstance? What do you want me to do? Um, I'm going off on a little tangent here, but I think it's quite an important one. Um, We need as men to put on his yoke. His yoke is light. My yoke is pants, broadly. I've tried it. It doesn't work. Um, And I'd also go on to say things like worldview. We all have a worldview. How do we see life? And our worldviews are very peculiar and, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, individual to ourselves. But we have a worldview, each and every one of us. And actually, these worldviews are flawed because if you could imagine the Lord made the universe, we can see an nth of what he sees. So how on earth can I possibly know what's going on? Do not lean on your own understanding. Etc. Uh, Etc. Et My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So I urge us all. I'm speaking to myself here. Forget our worldviews. Common sense is highly overrated. Um, anyway, sorry. If you want more on that, um, there's, there's, I've got loads. So, um, but uh, double-mindedness. We need to. So can I just read from James? Then we're going to go back into a bit more Eddie. James one five to eight. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded man unstable in all his ways. Um, We can't be double-minded. I'm double-minded the whole time, but I try not to be. So we need to keep our minds firmly on Christ and um, he will make our paths straight. Um, I'm going to go back to Eddie. Um, so this is now more in the middle of the film and Eddie has found a coach, um, who's, and this character is fictitious, but I think it's an amalgamation of coaches um, as far as my research has gone, um, played by Hugh Jackman. And... Um, Eddie's still up against the establishment, but we'll see more of that in a minute. But he's absolutely adamant that he's going to do this jump. I think he's already done the 70 meter. So Jackman is having rebuffed him and said, there is no way I want anything to do with you at all. Peary is his name in the film. So Peary says, I don't want anything to do with you. 
and then he does a 70-meter jump, and he says, all right, um, and this is where this, this clip starts, and you're starting to see a relationship, because as we saw in the first one, um, uh, Eddie's dad wasn't really very keen on this, and that will also be reflected in this. So he's got resistance at home, he's got resistance from the establishment, um, but Peary is beginning to get the gig, and their relationship starts to develop. So Eddie is, um, you can see he's persistent, can't you? He's in the process, and I love his dogged desire. If I could demonstrate that desire to follow my Lord in the same way that he follows his desire to do an Olympic jump, um, I'd be in a much better place. And I do wonder somehow, and we were discussing this at dinner actually, how you know, we as Christians have a treasure that is so valuable, and yet in many ways we don't really live from that place of strength. So that brings me on to my next point, which actually um, was brought up earlier this, uh, today. Um, we need to take our thoughts captive for Christ. As new men, we cannot be tossed around by whatever fad, uh, crisis, etc., etc. Um, I love the expression, we're not defined by our circumstances. Whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, I've got a job at the moment, um, etc., etc., that doesn't define me. Um, and, I, and, I, and in fact, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this story because I, I think it's quite interesting. I worked for this one organization for the last 11 and a half years. And I'm going to be very honest with you guys, I got a lot of identity out of it. I could say to people, if I met them, you know, wherever, this is what I do, and I certainly felt good. The last two years of that job, with that firm rather, my role changed, um, were torrid to say the least. And this time last year, um, when we were down in Somerset, um, I was going through the sort of final furlong of my career with that organization. And I left, and I spoke to a friend of mine who's much wiser than me, and he, I said to him, what do you think, why was it so dreadful? And do you know what he said? He said he was quite convinced that the Lord was trying to deinstitutionalize me. And I think what and when he went on to say, my identity, I got an identity from that organization. I used to think, you know, I can go anywhere in the world and there's an office. I'm safe wherever I am globally. Well, actually, as a, as, as, as a, as a disciple, as a son, I'm safe wherever I am in the universe. And there is this, there's this mentality that we think is, so, well, again, I'm speaking for myself, in a such small way, but actually, um, so I'm really grateful for those horrible two years because I don't have any identity. In fact, I'm slightly embarrassed, if I'm being honest, but don't quote me on that. Um, so anyway, I just thought, I thought I'd share that with you because, again, as part of my, my personal journey in what does it mean to live with the new name, um, now, another little hobby horse of mine, and I'm sorry if you've heard this before, because I think I did touch on this uh, last time. Um, we do need to take our thoughts captive for Christ. So I'm going to quote 2 Corinthians 10.5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Guys, in my opinion, the enemy has limited resources. He, took, he had a third of the company of heaven that went with him. The Lord has limitless resources. The enemy, I think, can take us out quite quickly in our minds. You're no good, 
won't come to anything, she won't like you, it doesn't matter, whatever. We, we've heard them all a million times. Um, I actually had a bit of a victory this morning. I'm afraid I sinned. Um, I used my telephone. And um, my wife called me and said, something's happened. And I thought, I just don't need this. And I thought, hang on a minute, what are you doing? You're sitting at a men's weekend. Hopefully, um, we're going to witness a lot of transformation in all of our hearts. Not, uh, um, and I thought, well, it doesn't come as any surprise that this little sort of tiny arrow. And to, I was actually quite surprised myself. I took a deep breath and I thought, right, okay, I'm going to sort this out. And within 10 minutes, it was done. And um, normally, I'd be throwing my toys out of the pram, probably saying a few expletives, and um, it's not fair. So you can't, if you take your thoughts captive, it works. And that is less than 14 hours old. So every action is rooted in the thought that preceded it. If we do not capture the thought, it will capture us. Thoughts make or break us, advance or retard us, and wrong thinking can certainly lead to negative behavior. Would you like me to say that again? This is all plagiarized, by the way. Some of it I got from the Bible, other bits I got from other people. Every action is rooted in the thought that preceded it. If we do not capture the thought, it will capture us. Thoughts make or break us, advance or retard us, and wrong thinking can lead to negative behavior. Um, now, I touched on the whole thing around knowledge and understanding and things like that earlier. But again, going back to James 1, this is verses 2 to 4, he says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So trials give, and again, we heard earlier about disruption. I believe the Lord loves disrupting us. He takes us on this process. It's quite uncomfortable. We have to get our thoughts right. And I think that turbos it. I also think we get upgrades. The Lord told me, he said, Rupert, you got an upgrade today. I was delighted with that. I don't know what the upgrade is, but I got an upgrade. Um, and I do believe that the Lord is longing to bestow holy, heavenly valuables upon us. And the older and hopefully wiser I get is actually... You know, I'm, as I said, I'm 51, um, and, and, I've, and I have, as I mentioned, all the job thing and whatnot. But really, in reality, what matters is what we can take with us into eternity. The stuff that the angels see and that has the value. So again, we need to keep our minds straight um, and embrace these trials because um, they certainly uh, deepen our relationship with God and can increase our peace and joy. Um, so I would urge you, as using the new name and the new man, to embrace trials because we're not defined by them, we're grown by them. And um, although it may be uncomfortable, it's part of the process. And as we learned right at the beginning of this talk, um, we can't compromise the process. Otherwise, it is of no value. And the Lord, in his wisdom and graciousness and mercy, will put us into another situation to learn the lesson that we tried to short-circuit previously. A bit like the sat-nav. You know, you overshoot, it reroutes. And the Lord will reroute to ensure that we get the message. Um, I'm sorry, I've now lost my... Uh, Okay, so in the interest of time, because I think you've all probably had quite enough of me, and, and, and um, well, certainly enough of me, but we've been on it since 8.30. Um, I think we'll go into the third eddy. 
Um, I do want to talk about surrender um, because I think that's really important. Um, and then um, I'm going to show you a clip of what I think a man might look like who knows how to live under the new name. But uh, that's after this. So we're going to see the final Eddie clip. And this is the point in the film where he's done the 70 metre at Calgary. Um, that qualifies him for the 90, but he's never done the 90 before. Um, and he, to that end, holds a press conference. I love the way that he went two figures to the establishment. Um, he proved them wrong. He went from being Michael Edwards to Eddie the Eagle. He un operated under his new name. His dad, I'm proud of you, son. I'm so proud of you, mate. Um, total acceptance there. I mean, it's it works on multiple levels. And I'm, yeah, anyway, um, I think we're kind of clued up on that now. Um, so... Uh, what an amazing, um, what an amazing man. Um, but I do think that it does give a great picture of what we perhaps need to do as Christian men in our desire um, to be and operate under the new name. And we're going to go into a period of silence uh, shortly. Sorry, let me get this thing out of the way. We're going to move into a period of silence, and I do want you, uh, urge you to spend time with the Lord asking the question, what is my new name? And he may well give you a name. Um, so can I encourage you to do that? Otherwise, there are some other questions which may be helpful or just pray and speak, get him to speak to you as a son. But I urge you to ask about the name because I haven't actually been given a name, so I can't speak about that. Um, but I do think that I know others have, so um, I would encourage you to ask the Lord about what's your identity, particularly, and I think sometimes the identity is for now, it may be for a season, it may be for the rest of your life, but explore that. Um, it's pretty much that, I think, as I said, it's now almost eight o'clock, and I think you've probably had enough of me, and it's been a long day. Um, breakfast is at 7.45 tomorrow. Um, we're back in here for 8.30, um, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Um, and um, I'm going to play a clip about um, what I think a Christian man who operates under the new name might look like. Um, there's just a couple of things I want to talk to you about before I go for the next sort of 40 minutes or so, so relax. Um, surrender. I think if there's one word that I really have to learn this year has been surrender. And I don't want to bore you, and I'm, I'm just going to literally throw it out there, but I do think there's an element of surrender that exists in this walk. If we're up for it, and we want to operate under the new name, we need to surrender. We need to die to ourselves. And that's going to look different for everybody. It may be surrendering money, it may be surrendering power, it may be surrendering a bunch of different things. We all know what perhaps um, the Lord might be talking to us, but for me, he made it very clear of um, what I had to give up, and I have not found it easy. And I don't want to go into it now because we have run out of time, but I'm more than happy to chat to anybody who's interested um, across the course of the rest of the weekend. But I do think surrender is a really key part of this type of living because I want to live like Eddie w Edwards did for skiing, or snow jump, let's go... <laughs> 
ski jumping. I want to live for the Lord like that, with that passion, with that determination, um, and with that um, single-mindedness. Um, I just got to tell you this story because I just thought it was quite interesting, and um, I, I love the way that the Lord works. So there was a man um, who was a very, very, very keen sound recordist and was into um, music and the way music works. And stop me if I've told you this before, but I don't think I have. And he, um, when digital audio sort of became more the norm, so you could slow the recording down, but it would maintain the pitch. Because when you had old tape, if you slowed the tape down, the pitch would drop. If I'm aging myself here, but you know I'm 51. I use a lot of product, by the way. I didn't mention that earlier. Um, <laughs> but uh, I guess around about the beginning of the 80s, something like that, 90s, um, you could make a digital recording. So he records a songbird. And he takes, I don't know, a sample of this songbird. And she's tweeting in many beats of the bar. So say it's a six-second sound sample. He expands it so that actually you're getting individual notes from the songbird rather than it's tweetering. And he puts those notes on a music staff. And that note pattern matches the beginning of Beethoven's fifth. I thought that was amazing. Well, maybe it was Mozart. Somebody wrote one of them. Sorry, I don't, I'm, I'm more into Pink Floyd. But who did? Um, was Mozart was the young one, wasn't it? Or was it Beethoven? Beethoven went deaf. Mozart was the young. One. Sorry, it was Mozart. Mozart, who wrote something when he was four years old, and the and the no, notes from the from the songbird matched. The I, I just find that extraordinary. And who doesn't believe in the creator God? Anyway, so um, that was my little aside. And um, I just want to say thank you very much for listening to me. Um, I'd love to say once again that I really do live this out, but I don't. Um, and I wish I was like this guy. So without further ado, see what you think of this guy. I wouldn't mind being like him. <laughs>